0: Welcome to the Life is a Ceremony podcast by Petiti Institute. We're inspired to
1: share practical insights to engage everyday life as an evolutionary journey. Every moment is an opportunity to practice. If you would like to send us a question or comment or a
0: donation, you're welcome to visit www.paititi-institute.org That's www.paititi-institute.org In this episode, Roman Hannes and Elton Liabella dive into the subject of integration and how it can be approached as a coping mechanism
1: or a vehicle of transformation.
0: Hello, friends. This is Roman and Elton from the Paititi Institute. Hello. Today, we will talk about integration and integration that relates to working with sacred plant medicines and profound spiritual experiences, and then, of course, also everyday life. So I'll start off by sharing a little bit from my experience with the traditions that we've been working with. So I've been working with the Amazonian Indian traditions for about two decades now. And simultaneously also implementing for about 23 years or so the Jungian psychology, the Eastern philosophies, and also the Tibetan Buddhist lineage, then working with that over the last 20 years and exploring each one of those modalities in and of itself, and then finding relevance into my own life and experiences. I find integration to be a very interesting subject, as you might have seen from the picture. It's a kind of a weird bird animal that I've been learning how to relate with for throughout my life. And today it's a very popular term. When I was starting initially, nobody has heard about this term. And at the same time, I found it to be very essential to really bring the practices, the teachings that are more formal or more traditional into everyday life existence. And of course, for a long time, I found it meaningful to actually engage in these traditions and the formal practices and uh, found a lot of meaning after engaging in different retreats and ceremonies and practices to implement the practices into my own life in a formal way. And that was very beneficial for years where I could have time and space after the ceremonies, after the retreats to practice the different meditations and uh, be in nature and spend time with myself and reflect and do different practices like qigong and different ways to bring the creative expression into my life through music and painting and dance and many different ways and approaches. And then about four years ago, I've been reborn as a father and I have two kids now. And then it's been much harder for me to do it in a formal way. So sometimes I come out of the retreat and then it's kind of like this, you know, shifting gears, hard landing, uh, crude awakening process that is happening where I just have to dive into everyday life. And I barely have time to finish different uh, responsibilities and take care of the family and the house and our organization and juggle so many different things. And I don't have time for formal practices so much in my life as I used to before my kids came along and i've been finding that to take the integration to onto a whole new level, which is what these traditions that we work with are about is to learn how to integrate as we go along with life and not needing to constantly separate ourselves from everyday existence and so integration is a very interesting process and also the intention that it's being engaged with. So I don't find that there is anything wrong with how people approach integration in so many different ways and with so many different reasons and intentions. So some people approach integration just to be able to cope with everyday life and with different life responsibilities and functions. And other people find integration to be useful in a way where it helps to maintain a certain spark of being alive and being inspired and finding deeper meaning and inspiration in life and not letting that spark go down throughout the everyday wear and tear. And some people also approach integration in a way where there is deeper resolution to life's issues and a fresh page, a new beginning in life, and how to really come out of certain hamster wheels and vicious cycles, habitual patterns that prevent us from experiencing life to the fullest. And some people also utilize integration as a way to maintain a certain status quo and lead a comfortable, numb existence, and then utilize the spiritual work as like a certain kind of sensational spa experience, like an exhilarating experience that then allows people to return into the mundane and to the boring gray existence of everyday life and have something to look forward to once in a while, like a certain trip to Disneyland, you know, something. like that. And that's also part of the integration. And I don't see anything wrong with... Any one of those approaches and I myself have found myself engaging in those different ways throughout my life. And then actually seeing how there are different steps and different stages in one's experience that is essential to relate to integration on many different levels in one's life and of course more than anything is to see that there are many different ways to approach integration that it's not just one way and it's not a certain instruction manual and it is based on awakening one's own common sense sobriety clarity perspective and then uh, approach one's life in a way that is relevant at uh, any given point and that's what i find meaningful is that it's not about either one way or another way but it's also not just getting stuck in only a certain way to approach it and as i like to look at the origin of the words and the uh, word integration what does that even really mean so i find that there are certain keywords that are rooted in integration so the word integral which has to do with many different aspects of being and how they can be integral to one's life, how there is a certain core of one's existence. And then that is being honored in one life. Then another word is integrity. So the integration also for me relates a lot with integrity, how I can really engage in life in a meaningful, responsible way, in a way that supports the greater organism that I am a part of recognizing the interconnectedness reciprocity and the integration as well also relates of course to connecting the pieces together right so to integrate and to see how there is this deeper connection of all of those different aspects of my life and engagements and ways that I relate to situations and experiences and then how that ties into the greater picture of my life. So when I don't see the greater picture, when my life is not integral, it's basically fragmented. And then I have a little piece there so I can do a ceremony, I can go to a retreat, and then I have my regular life responsibilities and the mundane, and they're not necessarily connected. And so then rather than creating a greater disconnect, and that is also how I've seen integration is used where I am a spiritual being, living this human existence, and I'm not really supposed to deal with everyday responsibilities. And I just want to run away to a fantasy la land. And that's also part of how people engage with integration where I just want to work on my spiritual self and everything else that I do is not really that important. And then it becomes more and more fragmented. So I'm integrating only one aspect of my life that relates to my inner experiences and how I would like to live my life and experience, but not how I'm doing it right now. And then there is a big gap in that way. And that was also part of what I mentioned in terms of finding all kinds of justifications and excuses not to face myself. And I can use integration in a way where I can explain my experiences, where it was the aliens, it was my past lives. So I just had to experience something, but I don't really have to face it right now. I don't have to deal with issues in my life currently because it's all part of this very mystical process and I don't have any idea what it means and I just have to go through it mindlessly and things will resolve by themselves as long as I will continue to purge as long as I will continue to purify and there is no other meaning to it than just to keep purifying and purging and going through difficult experiences, but there is no reason For those experiences, it's something that just accumulated and I don't have to consider that. And in that way, and I've also gone through that process in my life, and then it was just this never-ending purification cycle. And I just wanted to keep purifying, but I was actually... What I was really purifying was the need to keep pushing things away and this urge impulsive urge to keep resisting life. And then it would keep evoking this gag reflex on many different levels. And it was never ending until I started seeing that what I was really purifying was resistance to life. And then I can open up and not be disturbed about it. And that is the conscious purification and the physical purification and other difficult experiences, they got transformed through this recognition. But otherwise, I just kept going through this never-ending vicious purgatorium cycle. That's a little bit about the relationship to integration and how it's a life process. It's not an instruction manual and how it does relate to the intention that we bring into it in our lives. the deeper meaning and relevance and then uh, to really bridge the outer the inner the material the spiritual lives together and see how everything has its place so elton
1: hello yeah thank you roman yeah bringing the spiritual and material together i think for me the What I realized through going to ceremonies is that the ceremony is a reflection of uh, life. And what the ceremony, what I was seeing in the ceremony is basically things that are coming up in my life and that I have to implement them into my daily life. And what I found really useful is to, after ceremony especially, like every day to go and reflect. It's like, what does that really mean? And like I would find out maybe months later, oh, that I had an idea, an initial idea about a subject that came up in ceremony and by keep reflecting, then something else would come up. And I would realize that actually this is not what I thought it means, but it has a deeper meaning. And now I can engage with that meaning and see where it goes and continues to lead deeper. And yeah, for me, it's very essential to bring the teachings and the lessons into the daily life. I don't see any other purpose otherwise to go and, you know, maybe think about a past life. And of course, yeah, I, you know, I want to explore those things. But what does a past life really mean? It's like, why do I want to know about it? Instead of uh, maybe I should learn how to be... Facing difficult emotions, that when I'm around people, maybe an emotion would come up. you know, no matter what I did in my past life, if in this present moment, I cannot deal with it in the you know best way possible, where you know I'm not overreacting, I'm not overwhelmed, and maybe there is a way of communicating and expressing myself, I think that's more grounding like to bring. You know, the, the spiritual maybe, yeah, I feel this love that I'm all one. And, and then someone comes and says something. And I forgot that it's it's all one. <laughs> and I go in, in into, you know, into rage and anger. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, what does we are one really mean in, in that situation? How mm-hmm. to integrate that insight?
0: Yeah, of course, you know, I'm... I'm a very loving and patient person until someone comes and tastes and and tests my love and patience. (laughs) And uh, then, yeah, I get upset that my covers are blown, that I'm not as loving and patient as I would like to see myself. And that's another essential point of integration. You know, what am I really trying to do in my life? Am I just trying to feel good about myself and pat myself on the back and just, you know, fool myself that it's all, you know, love and unicorns purging rainbows? Or I'm actually willing to face myself and recognize ways that I'm fooling myself in and ways that I'm avoiding life and guarding my heart from some difficult experiences and situations and hardships and pain, and then uh, use integration in that way. Oh, I've had that beautiful experience once, whether in ceremony or just uh, through meditation. And then I'm gonna use that experience as a way to cover up my issues. Oh, I've already experienced God and I've experienced enlightenment, and what it is to be one with everything, and then I can just have another medal that I give myself, and, you know, consider myself basically above everyday life and different situations, and pretend like I have no issues, and so then that is one way that people engage with integration, yeah, I'm just a spiritual being, and everything else is not relevant, and I feel really alive when I'm doing the spiritual work in a formal way. And otherwise I just drag myself to meaningless existence and it has no connection to a higher purpose of my life and has no meaning. And I just can't wait until I go to the next ceremony or to the next retreat and experience this kind of setting that allows me to feel one with everything and then there's a lot of dependency in that and then that may not be so useful and for some people where there is no resolution where there's a certain stuckness in life you know that also can be an important first step it's just to have that glimpse that there is something else that there is something more meaningful in the midst of everything that is completely lacking any purpose or meaning or sense but then it, that's not the end of it right so of course it is part of a spiritual journey to experience all of those different facets but then not to get stuck and think that that's all there is and so of course in the beginning for me that's how it was also i was just completely asleep and lost and separate and full of inhibitions And not aware of anything else outside of the material worldly existence and what it can provide in terms of happiness and never being satisfied with that. And then starting to have the first glimpses of spiritual experiences, which were absolutely mind blowing for me and then experiencing such a big disconnect from these spiritual experiences that I was having and a completely dull and meaningless life. And then I would approach it like that, where I would just be like a weekend warrior. And I would go and have this very mind blowing experiences and then go back to work in a tie and a suit and just be totally lost in that. And also feeling dissatisfaction from after a while of just having those glimpses that were completely disconnected from everyday existence and feeling a great need to find that connection. And at first, for me, it was like, well, I just have to run away from the world and hide from the need to engage in practical everyday life And then I can experience it all the time. And then that proved to be very false in itself as well, but I had to try it. And then uh, seeing how that is also not sustainable because I would just try to run away and then inevitably material existence would wake me up. Yeah, I still need to have a roof over my head. I need to have food to eat. And I need to be able to move forward and plan ahead. And then I cannot just keep running away and hiding. And then uh, there is a need to actually find a meaningful way to bridge experiences of the mundane and the extraordinary in life. And it's not easy. And I found it to be very challenging. I still find it to be challenging. It's not getting any easier over time but i do get better at engaging with that and then also there is a lot of cultivation of essential human qualities such as being more patient and perseverant and tolerant and kind and ideally also compassionate to oneself and others throughout that process and also needing to fail that's also an essential part of it it's Not just finding what I'm good at and only doing that. And actually in many ancient traditions it was considered that, yeah, we're all born capable of doing something good. We all have like a particular talent, a particular skill, but that's not really what makes us masters. And it's this quote that the master has failed more times than the student has ever tried. And in many ancient cultures it was like that a master would be someone who was able to do at least seven who had at least different seven skills that they could do really well because if it's just one, two, three, it's something that you can be born with you can do more naturally but if it's seven at least a few of them it will be very hard to learn and to practice and that's where mastery really comes from it's from things that are not so easy they don't come so easy that they are challenging and in the traditions that i worked with actually that's how you know that the practice is beneficial it's not when it comes easy to you it's when the practice is really challenging when it pushes you to your edges takes you out of the comfort zone that's where there is evolution and meaningful maturation of consciousness where I can learn to be with things that bother me. I can learn to engage with situations and experiences that initially feels uh, disempowering. And as I continue to engage with that, there is this ability to practice, to really practice what it means to be human, how to work with disturbing emotions, how to maintain openness when everything is falling apart, how to stay present in the heart. So, In these traditions, yeah, it's not just choosing what comes easy and then patting oneself on the back. I'm so good at it. But it's actually the meaning, the fulfillment comes from facing the difficulties. And that's part of the issues that the different elders and the indigenous teachers uh, that I've had in my life shared that in the ancient times, These traditions were about allowing the human spirit to shine in the face of adversity where in today's world we have the whole modern culture and society is geared towards avoiding the issues, taking the magical pill, not dealing with the pain, not dealing with the problems, entertainment industry, finding a way to check out, stop the world I want to get off at any minute if I don't like things. Or maybe things really get shaken up during a ceremony with sacred plants or during a certain spiritual retreat. And then I don't want to shake things up. And then I can use the word, the term integration as a way to avoid myself. Yeah, you know, I just need to integrate and I don't want to face difficulties in my life right now. And I just want to go into my mundane life And I call that integration, but in reality, things really got shaken up and the essence of the heart, the more vulnerable state of being started to come to the surface. It's very scary. And then I want to rebuild a certain armor, a certain fortress of personality of image once again, because it, it feels too raw too painful, too vulnerable to maintain that openness that got uncovered during a certain spiritual experience. And then I can say, no, you know what? I just need some time to integrate and I'm not ready to face myself. And actually by saying that I'm integrating, I'm just rebuilding my armors and defense mechanisms and ways that I avoid life. So that's, also an interesting Mm. approach to integration that i find for myself good to watch out for that what am i actually doing what am i feeling my time with so i've just had this intense retreat and very profound and every retreat i've been doing it for 20 years and every time it goes deeper and deeper and i never get bored with it because it keeps unraveling deeper layers both of openness and this greater vulnerability tenderness innocence and also ways that i cover it up that i don't know how to bring it into everyday life situations and experiences when things feel difficult when i feel like i'm under attack where i'm confronted and where i'm facing people who have a lot of built-up defense mechanisms and who themselves fear vulnerability and tenderness and then their fear is so tangible for me that i'm afraid to fear it and to experience it in myself on a deeper level and then i unconsciously just put a defense mechanism i put an armor when i'm dealing with those people because that's what they're doing and then their avoidance is actually points into my own avoidance on deeper levels. Yeah, I can be open and re- feel myself related when other people are open around me. But then when I go out into the world, and then what do I do? How do I maintain that? And so I find that that's also very essential to reflect what is my intention? What does the integration really mean? What am I actually doing? How can I keep uncovering that weakness in myself and then find the greatest strength and my greatest weakness instead of just appearing like I have it all down and I have it all together and I don't need to face myself or deal with anything and it's all clear and I can just parrot what my teachers say without fully embodying that. And again, to a certain degree, I can it. I can glimpse it, but I cannot fool myself because then life is the greatest teacher. And I will keep getting those wake-up calls until they are loud enough for me to actually listen. Otherwise, I just build an elaborate self-deception, pretending everything is fine. And once in a while, I go through a huge breakdown and emotional purge and explode and totally lose myself, unable to engage with my emotions, feelings, and harm myself and others. And then as soon as it's over, I pretend like nothing happened and I cover it up. Oh, that was just, I don't know what that was. I have no idea. And it's not going to happen again. I'm just going to pretend like it never happened. And I'm going to lead my life, you know, business as usual. And then that works for a while. Until all of those unprocessed emotions and feelings get built up again. And then again, there is this huge explosion. And I'm totally at at a loss. And then I need to integrate. And just cover it up and push it under the carpet. And again, just build up this kind of attitude like everything is fine. I have no issues. I have no problems. And then it keeps going like that. So... Also, the integration can be used to hide from oneself and avoid oneself. And then it's kind of, you know, this cat, mice, you know, game, Tom and Jerry. And then that takes a lot of energy that otherwise could be utilized for healing, for resolution, for deeper awakening, finding greater meaning rather than just playing this kind of spiritual materialism game where I pretend like everything's fine. I don't need to work myself. I don't need to practice. I already got it all down. I've had those great experiences. And I keep up an image until things fall apart in my life again. And then I just need to, you know, do this emergency kind of cleanup remediation And sweep everything up and then everything is fine again. That takes a lot of energy to keep the maintenance of that illusion of an image where everything is fine and I keep smiling on Facebook. Hello.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing it.
0: (laughs) This is our smile.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So many points that you bring up. think one one point is one thing that happened to me during ceremonies is when i experienced like a spiritual climax or experience i thought that because i experienced it this is it i'm ready (laughs) you know and i was uh, also i did not have the 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 guidance from the people that i was with i would share with them my experience and these were people from the tribes and those people never shared with me that this is a possibility, now bring it into life. You know, and because I did lack guidance and I had my own mind to interpret things, I thought, okay, you know, since I'm experiencing it, I'm experiencing this experience, you know, I'm I'm at this level and that was dangerous. You know, also like, uh, I'm, I'm lucky to actually have come here to Paititi because then with you there was someone to translate <laughs> my my world, you know, it's like I'm sharing with you and you know where I'm coming from, you could, you know, guide me to bring these experiences into my daily life. Yes, I would be careful even with, when sharing with people what to what to really share how much to share and to really take the time to understand the meaning and also the, the language that the ceremony is communicating with. Because sometimes, you know, I had this, you know, visions about Christ and for me, you know, one plus one equals two, there's nothing else. <laughs> but it's not like that. There was deeper mm. m- meaning to, to what I was yeah, experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe, I don't know, you want
0: to... Yeah, that's definitely a, a very good point that you're making. Because in the lineages that I've been working with, both in the Amazon and Andes and Tibet, it's not, the experiences are not to brag about. And it's not about, I'm just going to go to my friends and tell everyone how enlightened I am and how I had this amazing experience so that everyone basically look up to me and, you know, just think, Oh yeah, he's so great. And he had such great experiences. And then it's kind of like uh, exotic tourism. I just go and show pictures and I had all those great experiences, but then I turn around and I deal with uh, everyday situations and I'm at a total loss more than ever, especially because I've had those experiences. And actually also that relates to this uh, kind of Messiah syndrome. And like Elton shared, having those experiences where I see Christ, I see Buddha, Krishna, and I think that I'm a chosen one. And I've had this amazing experience. And now I've been sent on a mission to rescue everyone in my life. And I am the savior. And then that's also a coping mechanism to not be real. I just find another mask to hide myself behind. And then who am I underneath that? Right. And that also relates to the, this kind of like magical synchronicities that people experience in uh, on a spiritual path. And there is relevance to those experiences to a certain degree. But then not to take it to the extreme and only starting to live based on those experiences, because then I think the medical terminology for that is apophenia, where, you know, it's like the beginning stages of schizophrenia, where suddenly seeing all kinds of different uh, irrational connections between things in one's life and different experiences. So look, there is a bird flew by and something happens. And then there was a noise. And then this person came and then that person came. And then that's my life. That's what my life is about. And yeah, it is part of spiritual awakening as well. And it turns into schizophrenia when there is no connection, when the connection to real life is lost. When I'm only starting to live based on the connections that my mind finds between uh, different experiences and situations that are not causal in nature, and I'm not really grounded in reality. I don't deal with everyday responsibilities. I'm not engaging in a sober way with basic needs in life. And I'm just floating in the clouds and just work with all kinds of energies. And then reality starts to knock sometimes very strongly, which, you know, I have worked with some cases that included schizophrenia and mental illness, not with plant medicines, but more consciousness and psychology related work. And it happens in that way where the person just gets so disconnected from the mundane world and lives in this very spiritual dimension, very like fantasy based world of how they want things to be and not how things necessarily are. And when everyday life, when the mundane reality starts to knock on the door, then ignoring that until the knock gets so loud that it turns into an episode where there is just this very intense psychotic breakdown that takes place out of this unwillingness to get real with oneself, to... Face the needs of everyday life and the reality of living in this human body and not just being a disconnected kind of like spiritual entity floating somewhere in the air, and in the indigenous traditions, it's very essential to get real. their are practice their earth-based spirituality that has to do with the needs of everyday life you know to plow the fields to plant the harvest to provide for the family to live together with the tribe, to face the different uh, hardships of life together, to find the resilience of the human spirit, not to avoid everyday responsibilities and to integrate it together. And yeah, today's modern society is based on a lot of convenience and people don't work so much with their hands and don't need to deal with the material existence uh, so much anymore. And then coming to this ancient traditions that are more based on Earth-based spirituality and cherry picking and just finding the spiritual experience, but not the actual application of, you know, chopping wood and carrying water. And there is this Zen saying, you know, what does the monk do before enlightenment? He chops wood and carries water. What does he do after enlightenment? Chops wood and carry water. I mean, you can try to chop water and carry wood, you know, but yeah, the point is to make it practical. And then of course, for me, it was essential not to just go to ceremonies for the label's sake and just for the appearance of it and just kind of like bow to the shaman with the feathers. But to engage with people who are real, not just in a ceremony, who are singing nice and maintaining presence, but what happens in everyday life, how to really bring that into an everyday life experience. What happens when I take out the, the garment of a healer? You know, what's underneath that? What, what happens when I engage in everyday life with my family, with my children, with other people, with myself? and then seeing how people how people who have been doing that for 20 30 40 50 70 years and how people are able to translate those spiritual experiences into everyday life situations and are real and it doesn't mean that everything is perfect right i find that you know it's also not to criticize like yeah i Hide, I avoid certain things, I'm not ready to deal my, with my pain, you know, after a certain threshold, and I have my limitations, that's not wrong in itself. That's an essential part of a spiritual path. The problem is that when I'm not even willing to acknowledge that, I'm not willing to blow my cover. I'm not willing to admit to myself in those moments when my heart gets shut down when I just want to run away and hide and reach for the comfort zone. That's actually the issue, the problem, when I'm not willing to do that, when I'm not willing to admit to myself where I need practice, I need training, I need work, I need to learn how to be with what bothers me, and I don't, and that's okay if I'm willing to see that. That in itself is not bad. But, you know, not really willing to see that, not willing to practice and just wanting to have those great experiences and just go there, just keep all the work that needs to be done. That also happens. Like I've experienced that myself in the beginning of my path and I keep meeting people where they know that there is an issue and they experience all kinds of different, Problems and fears and pains that they don't really want to face or admit themselves or deal with. They just want to get straight to the resolution. Like, no, I just want to understand right away what it's about. I don't know where it came from. I know that I have all those fears and inhibitions. And at the same time, I don't want to get to know them. I don't want to actually go into those fears. I don't want to face them. I don't want to be with what bothers me. I don't want to face my pains. I just want to find what it's about right away, but then how is it possible if I'm not willing to investigate and be curious and actually be with what bothers me and then really start seeing what it's about? But if I just want to skip that and go straight to resolution, then I can keep doing that indefinitely. And just, yeah, I don't want to deal with it. I want to run away. I just want to have... The blissful experience that resolves everything without facing my shadows, without dealing with my problems. And that is the problem in my experience where I'm not willing to admit to myself. And I just want to feel like everything is fine and I'm resolved. And then I don't, and I keep avoiding the issues and I keep pretending and I'm doing a harder job at pretending and use all my creative energy to keep fooling myself, and I can never fully do that. Because somewhere there in the back of my mind, I always know, no matter how hard I try and it bothers me. And so then rather than keep running away and exhausting myself, I might as well engage my creative potential and learn how to face it and admit to myself and be real and not hide from life and then yeah, find that that' actually what allows me to be more related to people in my life and more open, more vulnerable, and encourage people also to be more open and more vulnerable, and no need to pretend also and just mirror what I'm doing and think that that's what it's all about. because that's also prevalent in the spiritual traditions in the ayahuasca world today where a lot of people think that the shaman is supposed to be this perfect thing and this perfect image. And during the ceremony, some people are able to do it really well and then keep playing that image. And then inevitably, you know, there's all those scandals that are happening where somebody has maintained this perfect image of a shaman guru teacher. And then all kinds of scandals come that show that, They've actually been doing a really good job at fooling themselves and others and all those unresolved issues and them kept accumulating until it really exploded and affected people's lives and created all kinds of harm to other people and to those shaman gurus themselves because, yeah, it's just the truth comes out sooner or later. And so I find that it's essential to keep myself in check all the time. And it's better that I blow my own covers than everyone else and the world around me do it for me through my own immense resistance to that, which then, you know, that becomes very embarrassing. And yeah, I find that it's essential for me to learn how not to be embarrassed by life. And so I, I have to learn by keep embarrassing myself you know, many many times in small ways. And that brings us to another essential part of integration, which is sense of humor. You know, if I can laugh at myself in the midst of my drama, then I'm not as intimidated by it. I don't make it into such a big deal. And I'm not haunted by that. And then yeah, that allows me also to relate with people and to find it meaningful to keep practicing and making the baby steps. Okay, Elton? Hmm.
1: Yeah, one thing that keeps coming up as you are sharing is the, you know, not to be afraid to go into the places that are scary. And this is something that came up through our past retreat where I would experience this immense, you know, fear. And as you were saying, for me, there is a part where it would say, oh yeah, this is too much, I wanna, you know, take time and i want to integrate and you know it's too much it's too much it's too much but i think i'm also lucky enough to hear the teachings that say no <laughs> yes it of course it's too much it might be too much but like if you lean if i lean in, into those places then i can see the power of my heart because also my intention for the past retreat was to uh, resuscitate my heart, and I was like, uh, "This is what came. Like I wanna, you know, wake my heart up." But I was finding myself in, you know, through the ceremonies in challenging places. But because of not running away, I realized that this is how the way the the heart actually wakes up, not by experiencing joy all the time, but by leaning into the struggles and the only thing that kept me going was I was telling myself, okay, Elton, you know, have some courage. Maybe others are feeling the same way and maybe through this, I can relate to others and together we can, you know, mm-hmm. find out what's on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm also happy for the teachings that say, don't be afraid, but lean into the pain, lean mm-hmm. into what bothers you. and. After the retreat, you know, to some extent, it's like, all the emotions come back. Those emotions that I experienced before my ayahuasca ceremony, I experienced them outside of the container. So I thought, oh, it's not ayahuasca. These emotions are here within me, but I I don't know how to deal with them. And I was reminding myself, okay, maybe there are some other people that are experiencing the same thing. So how can I lean into them and, you know, open Mm. up?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, it's not just about pain. <laughs> it's, not about, it's not all about suffering. And it's essential to find the middle way where it's good to have some peak experiences, some blissful experiences, just to know what is possible to have a glimpse of that, but then not to hold on to the sensation of it. But then actually to see when I have those experiences, I feel so open and I feel so generous. And this unconditional love that is able to be shared and brought into my life in that moment. And then that moment is gone and I'm back to where I usually am. And at the same time, it doesn't mean that I'm not able to do that. Yeah, because it's not the bliss, it's not the pleasure, but it's actually the openness, the vulnerability, the fearless love that is not based on strength or armor, but it is based on tenderness and vulnerability. The fearlessness is not toughness, is love in these traditions and then of course when i engage with difficulties and challenges outside of a supportive container then it feels overwhelming it feels difficult and as elton shared like i feel like i cannot deal with that it's too much for me but then too much for who Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right i find that to be an essential question also as part of the integration It's not the experience itself that's overwhelming. It's this conditioned identity that I'm so attached to that is not able to deal with those experiences. So It's not the experiences that are at fault. It's this very limited version of myself that I've learned to identify myself with throughout my life. That is the problem. I'm... Used to this personality construct and I think that that's all that I am and of course this bubble this egocentric bubble this illusion of separate solid self is not able to deal with life is not able to deal with intensity and with the difficulties and with the problems of life and if that's all who I think I am then yeah that's a problem then i'm not going to be able to deal with the situations and i keep blaming it on the outside and on all kinds of circumstances and conditions and emotions and feelings and pain and then i forget what it's all about actually all of those things they are here to help me realize what it means to be human none of those pains are outside of human experiences or the emotions and feelings, but this artificial kind of garbage can with my name written on it and my life story accumulated inside, you know, that's the problem that, you know, that's not all that I am. Yeah. That's part of me, but there's more to who each one of us is. And there are those universal qualities and ways of being that go beyond our limited personality. And that's what the indigenous wisdom traditions are pointing to, the living wisdom traditions to awaken the living wisdom within oneself. Yeah, there is the support during the rites of passage, the mystery initiations, the ceremonies, the retreats, that is actually allowing us to recognize that. And then the main practice is to actually maintain that recognition through all the unsupportive situations in life. And that's the real challenge. And so, of course, yeah, it's really this recognition how everything that comes up during the sacred plant ceremonies is an amplified version of everything that comes up in everyday life. We deal with intensity, unpleasant situations, uh, physical experiences, illnesses... Pains, both emotional and physical, and mental anguish and frustration. And at the same time, it's all part of a human experience. It's too much for the conditioned ego, but then it, it's pointing to the deconditioning of the ego. To this recognition that the personality construct is not meant to be a bubble, it's meant to be a channel of energy, of emotional processes, of every moment. And how can I actually make my personality adaptive, flexible, and resilient to engage with life energy, with life experiences. The art of no resistance to actually transform the energy in a way that allows it to become in service of the heart. So transforming the monster into the beauty of the heart, the inner beauty. If I just go by appearances, then it's very ugly. But if I can actually relate to the heart through the appearances, if I can see the essence beneath the appearances, that the appearances merely represent in life, then... I find beauty in everything, everything becomes meaningful, everything becomes fulfilling, inspiring, where I experience things that I don't like in my life that are disturbing, then I can relate to it as a practice of essential human qualities, purification of resistance to life and awakening deeper relatedness like Elton shared. Other people also experience that. That's not what makes me special. Oh, I have this issue nobody else experiences the way that I do. And something is wrong with me and I'm not like others. And because of that, I'm very special. And I have this pain and nobody experiences this pain like I. But actually everyone have their share. We all go through old age, sickness, loss of loved ones, death. I mean, maybe old age, not everyone. But everything else we do experience in our lives. And so that's not what makes us special, but the degree to which it's possible to not be overwhelmed and disturbed and separate, separated from others just because I experienced something. No, that really is what allows evolution, right? When I don't make myself special and uh, there's another quote, I don't remember by whom that I really like, that actually the suffering starts when I think that I'm special and I don't need to go through the difficulties that other people do. And so when I think that, oh yeah, I'm just going to win a lottery ticket and... You know, the intergalactic federation is going to come and rescue us all. And then I don't need to do any work. I just have to feel that I'm the special chosen one. And others let them struggle and let them deal with the issues. But uh, I'm going to run away. I'm going to find a way out of it. And not really face the difficulties that everyone else are facing. I'm going to be different. And that's when suffering initiates because I just avoid life and I think that I'm very special and I don't deserve to experience what I'm experiencing and to deal with the issues that I'm dealing with. And I'm the chosen one and I'm the Messiah and I deserve to be treated differently. And and then I suffer a lot as a result of
1: that. Can I? Uh Yeah, you are saying the intergalactic federation coming like what, what, what I see sometimes I don't personally resonate with that. If it's true, you know, I don't know. But what I really like with what I'm learning with these traditions is to take responsibility for whatever I'm feeling. And it's a practice to, to even catch myself not being responsible because it's like if something happens, I am go instantly in blaming, judging you know, someone else's fault. So there is I have to retrain myself, okay, you know, this is my doing, I'm experiencing this, maybe this other person is experiencing r- real joy right now, <laughs> how is it their fault? You know, but like if I can at least remind myself, which it could become a practice in itself to say, hey, you know, be responsible, mm-hmm. like, and now how... How to deal with it because if i'm waiting for someone else to come and save me yeah they might come but i don't know how to deal with that emotion and i would like to be empowered and actually you know deal with myself Mm -hmm. not let someone else come and lift me Mm -hmm. because the problem is going to be still there Mm
0: -hmm. yeah definitely it's like of course yeah maybe intergalactic federation is coming And at the same time, whoever will come and wherever I'll go, there I am. And so it doesn't matter if I go to another planet, another dimension, if I don't know how to deal with my emotions and feelings, and I don't know how to just open up to life, however it unravels, then I set myself up disaster you know whether it's here or in another galaxy it doesn't matter you know consciousness remains you know consciousness and if the consciousness is rigid and not really willing to open up and transform and see the meaning and the essence beyond the relative comfort zone and certain conditions then that's Kind of problematic and so yeah with this practice however things will occur whatever will happen then it's essential to be responsible for one's own experience and to really face life and there is a saying by Beatles, right it's like life is what happens when we make other plans and yeah it's if you live long enough you know, you'll find out that often you're not in control of what happens. And what we are in control of, or what we potentially can be in control of, is how we engage and deal with different situations. And that makes all the difference in the world. The situations themselves, they will remain outside of control. Like, nobody knows, we are not given... certain warranty when we are born you know with the exact date and we can die at any given moment and anything can happen and it's beyond our control so then instead of trying to create this illusory sense of security and certainty that takes a lot of energy and it's an illusion because we're still not in control no matter how much we'd like to think that we are And so then how to really engage the creative energy in developing a loving relationship with change, with impermanence, with situations where things are beyond the control and instead of freaking out and getting disturbed to really approach everything with ingenuity, to learn from every situation instead of impose how I want things to be. That's kind of arrogant. It's this hyperinflation of the ego that also happens when people feel sorry for themselves because people still focus a lot of energy on their own kind of drama that also creates this hyperinflation i place so much attention on how it's all about me and i want the world to revolve around me and i want things to be a certain way and things are not and I'm so miserable because of that and I'm so poor and at the same time, I feel so special and so important and I'm not acknowledged because of that. And then I keep trying harder and harder to create this fantasy world that I have in my head and to kind of superlay it on top of the external reality. And then it keeps getting blown the cover. And I keep getting more and more upset and frustrated and keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And that's, you know, very exhausting to lead a life like that. And so at a certain point, yeah, that can also be part of it. If I'm willing to admit to myself at a certain point, but when there is no willingness to admit to oneself, then it's kind of like running oneself into the grave. It's just this kind of animalistic kind of like need to keep kind of pushing one's own narrative into the external reality and then it never ends and it never succeeds. And I have some relevant successes and that's also part of the problem is if it wouldn't work at all, it would have been easier for people to realize it. But because there some you know, minor success in trying to superimpose kind of the fantasy world onto the outside reality, then thinking, oh, I can do it fully. And then I keep doing it and I keep failing and I keep doing it and not really bringing deeper meaning and ingenuity. And it comes a lot of times from fear of facing reality as it is. It's hard for me to engage with all of those scary feelings and emotions. I'd rather just imagine that I'm living with unicorns and rainbows and keep running away to different places where other people also want to live like that. And then I experience it for a little bit of time. And then there's huge drama that comes to the surface, because everyone are tiptoeing on eggshells and are telling each other how special they are and nobody is dealing with deeper issues. And then they keep building up until it explodes. And then, oh yeah, it's, it was that. It was, it, those people are at fault. And it was that environment and that situation, I'm gonna go away and I find another never never land, and another fantasy la la land, or I'm just gonna completely become a hermit from the world and find a very comfortable cave, an environment where I'm not challenged, where I'm not confronted, where I can just hide myself in a world of fantasy, you know, however it may come true and just live there. And then of course, you know, I can live there for a long time, you know, until I'm on my deathbed Mm -hmm. and then I can no longer hide. And then what happens as a result of that and so then sense of humor you know is essential in that at that point if i cultivated it right <laughs> to actually die with a smile
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know instead of in immense horror and resistance and fear and torture you know i witnessed a few people you know die in front of my eyes In my life and yeah i have seen how some people you know there's just this you know grimace of terror and intense suffering and torture and some people there's just this profound peace and this surrender that comes from fearless love and then it is like a lotus flower blossoming, you know, in their face and, you know, witnessing that, you know, personally, you know, I would choose the second door and that was practice because if I don't practice in everyday life, when I come to that moment, you know, the moment of truth in my life, you know, I don't think that I'll be able to let go, you know, with, this surrender that comes from fearless love and then what was my life about what was it you know you know for me you know and i learned that from my indigenous teachers that you know your life's worth comes through in the last moment of your life like if you can die at peace and complete and whole and without any energetic debts that are not repaid Like, if I would die right now, would I be able to die complete and whole and know that I've done everything possible in my life to follow my heart and to honor the real essence of what my life is about? And that I have to practice in every moment, ideally. That's also part of the integration. You know, like, to follow the conscience.
1: Yes, that... <laughs> it's my favorite subject one of them yeah I think uh you know i i did experience a moment where the, the jungle itself taught me that I don't have control <laughs> about what happens and that I'm going to die and I don't know when that is going to happen and in that moment yes it is like you say I saw all my life passing in front of And in front of my eyes and because I didn't have an option, like in that moment, I can't choose. Oh, I wish that I have done this and this and this and what mattered is how I lived and how I loved. Mm -hmm. Nothing, no, no achievements, no, you know, at at that point, Mm -hmm. I I was like about material achievements and being famous and well, no, Mm -hmm. it like, it does not even matter. Mm So I practice also because even those spiritual experiences. Let's say you know I'm I'm Christ. You know what? How is that gonna in the moment of death mm-hmm. when uh, these traditions they say that they are a preparation for that for the most intense experience that we can have as a human being. Mm-hmm. And if we cannot deal with the experiences that come through ceremonies, everyday life. Oh, yeah, then how are we going to deal with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, good, because that's a good translation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, and Albert Einstein, you know, I think it's that is a similar to the quote that I asked. And uh, there's a Tibetan master, an ancient master, uh, Milarepa, who said once, he said, my spiritual practice is to die without having any regrets. And yeah, it's something to contemplate on. What does it mean, you know, to have regrets and how that relates to this lack of integration of different experiences? Because in my own life, the spiritual path is about learning from life experiences and not regretting them. And through learning, then I can reconcile and I can forgive myself and others by understanding what it's about. So, yeah, again, in my experience, in the way that it's been brought to me and I checked it and verified through my own practice and life is to really see what it's about, is to integrate. Okay, something happened, you know, and somebody affected me and hurt me and insulted me. And then what is the real meaning if I don't take it personally? if I see the greater picture of it, and then how people who are challenging to me in my life, and especially people who bother me, who disturb me, and how there is a profound lesson there for me to see through that, to not take it personally, to recognize that hurt people hurt people. And I have hurt people in my own life through my own ignorance and not knowing any better. And not knowing how to deal with my own pain and my own feelings and emotions. And then how do others experience that? And so then through understanding, through relating to people, through my own ignorance. And then learning from my own ignorance, not just continuing doing that. And then just justifying, oh yeah, I do it and then everyone else do it, whatever. No, but really seeing that ignorance is not bad in itself, is not knowing any better. And then I can open my heart to ignorance and not make it wrong and not to beat myself up for it or judge others. You know, it's like hating the haters will not resolve hate. You know, being disturbed about uh, disturbances will not resolve it. And so then it's only by bringing the heart into it and then through love I can see more objectively because if there's fear, if there's judgment and disturbance then I cannot really learn from those situations. But love is more than just a fluffy rainbow unicorn thing, but love is directly necessary for objectivity to develop. If I can bring love into all the situations, circumstances and problems in my life, I can see them in a more objective way, in a way that is much more clear and meaningful. And then I can learn from those situations. And then through the learning, through understanding, then it's possible to forgive and to let go. So integration is also very relevant for that in my experience. I used to have a more formal daily practice. And then when, you know, especially since my second child, came along it's been less and less possible to do it in a formal way but my main practice is to keep myself real is to keep myself in check throughout the day to learn how to notice when I shut down when I disconnect from reality when I want to reach out to the comfort zone you know it's kind of like yeah I'm like very open to life I'm very nice and very loving you know as long as things happen in a way that I want them to. And when they don't, then I'd rather eat a cookie or watch TV or find, you know, a book to hide in or, you know, whatever. There are so many different ways to disconnect and to run away into some kind of other dimension. But the point is to keep aware, to keep being aware, to keep this recognition that, yeah, it's okay that I'm not able to deal with a certain situation, but I can admit that to myself and then step-by-step, step, baby steps, learn how to face it, learn how to deal with it. And so then it's not wrong and I can fail and then stand up and try again and then stumble and fall and then learn how to engage in those baby steps from a place of inspiration. Like the kids, they don't get disempowered. You know, when they're learning to walk, they fall down, they stand up and they have such a big smile on their face every time. And so the main practice is how to maintain that kind of attitude through all the struggles, through all the hardships, through all the difficulties. And to be real with oneself, with others, to recognize how I can be more vulnerable with myself, more honest and realistic about life. And for me, that's the main practice is how to learn how to be a human being. And then all the other formal practices, I find also are, it's so essential to relate them to that. It's not the position of the yoga or Qigong, or it's not the particular technique or a song or a mantra, but uh, how that relates, how that becomes a symbol for the essential human qualities that I can continuously be reminded of to bring into my life, how I can be more patient, more honest, more realistic, more kind, more tolerant. have more perseverance, generosity, and first and foremost, generosity of presence with myself and others without checking out. And in that way, it becomes a practice. Otherwise, what is a practice? You know, what is the practice for? It's very similar to integration, right? So, in these traditions, also until I can understand really what practice means in the most mundane everyday experiences, I'm an aspiring practitioner. I'm aspiring to understand because I cannot really practice. I can imitate, I can go through the motions, I can practice different techniques, but without actually making it relevant directly to life experience and bringing it on the level of being engagement with everything in my life then it's not a practice really it's an aspiration See. to practice definitely i have found it beneficial early on in my life to have time after the retreats after very profound spiritual experiences to just reflect and integrate and have some spaciousness after before i start engaging in everyday life so I have found that when it was possible in my life, right? And it's not always possible. When it was possible, I found it to be very useful to actually have some spaciousness in my life and the ability to just slowly bring the deeper insights and realizations into everyday experiences. And at the same time, also to see that it's not always going to be like that. You know, if it's possible, that's great. But not to depend on that, which was, you know, a way that I learned from it because I've developed it in my own practice for years. I've been doing that. And then suddenly I couldn't do that anymore. And I've grown dependent on that. And in the beginning, it was very hard when I was no longer able to do that. So again, through my own experience, I can share that, while you can it's great but then also it's good to realize that it may not always be possible and then to see how i can engage with it in a more fluid way and how can i learn to integrate in a more seamless manner where at first yeah there is a certain kind of need to kind of just step out and create more space between myself and others because i go right back into my everyday life And into the familiar habitual environment with all the familiar coping mechanisms and comfort zones and situations that trigger me and dynamics with different people who may want to keep seeing me the way that they've always seen me and want me to act and behave in the way that they expect me to. And then they they get upset when I'm not able to do that and push my buttons and so yeah I have it's helpful to just take some space and reflect and know okay I'm going into the grind of everyday life and I'm gonna be triggered i'm gonna be challenged I'm gonna be facing my usual kind of familiar swamp of conditioning and then I can take some space and time to prepare myself for that right so that i'm I'm not as easily taken by surprise. And at the same time, then little by little to develop more experience, and then the point is to keep bridging that gap more and more, where in a supportive, intentional space of a ceremony or a retreat or a a spiritual practice, then I can experience it but then the gap is so great when it's not supportive, when it's not intentional, when uh, there is not so much of a reminder present in my life. And then I have to actually develop those reminders in my life. And that was also a theme for me in this past retreat. How can I develop those reminders in my life in a more intentional and conscious way? Okay, I'm going out of the retreat container of a ceremony, but life is a ceremony. And then it's up to me, okay, when I go to a retreat or to some healer or a spiritual guide, then they are responsible for providing the reminders. And then I'm more of a consumer. But then when I go back into my own life, I have to learn how to develop that myself, no longer be a consumer, and then actually create those reminders in my life, whether it's through practices, through the different books that I'm reading, people that I'm interacting with, the level of connection that I'm willing to establish in my life with people, or whether I'm gonna continue to uh, meaninglessly engage with people who are not really having the same intention in their life to face themselves, and ways that I can learn to practice and encourage others through my own example, And be of benefit to the world and find ways not to just focus on myself and my world. And then it's up to each one of us to really establish that. And so, yeah, it's essential to recognize that, yeah, it it may be or maybe not possible to do it in that way. And then uh, the self-trust also, in my experience, recognize first I have to take some time to see who... Who am I? What is myself? Am I this kind of artificial collection of masks and appearances and images and that I constantly have to maintain and make sure that everyone are seeing me the way I want them to see me kind of like, you know, constantly trying to see myself through other people's eyes. Or am I this open, vulnerable, tender essence of innocence, of childlike nature? And that doesn't have to be maintained. And I can learn to trust in the vulnerability, in the tenderness, in the openness of the heart. And that requires also time, really get to know oneself, to really spend time with oneself, to see what am I about. And then, of course, also in these traditions, the living wisdom traditions, it's essential to actually connect with someone who can be an example of that. And I'm not talking about some kind of, again, labels or feathers or titles. And in my own life, the teachers in the South American and also... The Eastern lineages, they are real human beings. And the teachers in these traditions is considered to be it's supposed to be a friend who knows who knows what it means to be well and wishes that for you. And so with my teachers, it's it was always about being real and being human. And if the teacher is willing to be human and vulnerable, and not hide and show their own challenges and their own humanity and also the spark and the willingness to engage with that. Then in that way, I find that it's a meaningful connection. And then I can see someone who has learned to trust their own real, unfabricated essence. That it's not about self-worth and self-esteem But it's about this openness of the heart and the kindness, the compassion for oneself and others and relatedness. And then there is no need for kind of needing to reinforce the sense of self. I see that my own experience is related to the experience of others. I'm not special just because I am suffering. It's something that these traditions revolve around healing and resolution and everyone experienced that. And at the same time, there is a reason why we all experience that. And it's, again, this mistrust in the true self, in the, true, in the truth as a state of being. As a, the, the child doesn't worry about self-worth, you know, up to a certain age. The child is born completely helpless and innocent and not knowing. And at the same time, doesn't need to prove anything to anyone to be loved and also the willingness to learn and to be open and to discover and to have ingenuity and to be honest and sincere. It all comes natural for children. So if we can remember a childlike essence, then self-trust naturally comes in my experience but definitely a lot has to do with self-knowledge and taking the time to really get to know oneself and give it a try you know and approach the particular paths and traditions whatever is meaningful and relevant to different people and then experience some storms and then stay long enough for the storms to clear and then see what the essence is about more and more And then, of course, fake it till you make it. So maybe to a certain degree, because, yeah, I have certain issues and problems in my life and difficulties, and I may not know how to deal with them fully. And I can do maybe only one baby step in that direction. And then, yeah unable to do it and feel the misery and the problems. And of course, if I just go from one extreme to another and either I'm totally miserable and I'm in my misery or I'm just trying to be totally happy. But the point is how to find the middle way and to see that I can maintain in these traditions again, this remembrance of the childlike essence as an anchor state of being, and then I can maintain well being and openness and kindness even as I'm going through the difficult moments, and I can allow myself to engage with the pain in my life and bring greater kindness and openness and objectivity into it and not be so grasped by fear or overwhelmed by the experience and learn how to breathe through it and not make it wrong. But again, it's not about one extreme or another, either I'm pretending like everything is totally fine or everything is totally falling apart. But then how can become more connected? Yeah, everything is falling apart and there are good things and there is sadness and there is joy and there is grief and there is love and generosity and it's all present simultaneously and the heart is big enough to hold all of that together and i can learn how to do that little by little but otherwise fake it till you make it i don't find that to be such a meaningful approach again you know to a certain degree i can imitate certain qualities. I can imagine it to myself what it would be like to be more kind, more generous, more patient in my life. And then I have to put it to the test. And then if I'm, my cover is blown, you know, like I'm faking it till I'm making it and somebody is really poking, you know, uh, big holes in my movie screen. And then I also have to have a good humor about that. And then it can be meaningful. And then, yeah, I can see what it's about. I can clearly see the path. And I'm not there yet. And I'm making the steps towards it. And I don't fool myself or others in relation to that. But I'm also not making such a big deal of my own struggles and problems in life. And in that way, it's not about showing others that everything is resolved and fine in my life. But... It's actually showing that, yeah, everything is not fine in my life. I can, you know, I can stand, state that, you know, clearly. And it's not such a big deal. And I'm learning how to engage with it more wholeheartedly and not be embarrassed by life and to be with what bothers me more and more. Not fully, but I can keep taking those baby steps and not judge myself for reaching to the comfort zone And also not get stuck there and see that, yeah, I'm still doing that. And I'm also learning how to engage in life more meaningfully. And I'm learning and it's okay to stumble. It's okay to make mistakes and learn from them. Otherwise, you know, I can never get to be old and wise if I don't get get to be young and stupid first. And I'm grateful to everyone in my life because everyone are teachers. And that's also another part of, essential part of integration that I've learned from my teachers and in these traditions is to really recognize how everyone has something essential to share, something essential to teach and uh, to bring across and to encourage. And some people uh, are inspiring me to be more human and some people are encouraging me to actually put it to the test and practice and I'm grateful to everyone in my life in that way and I keep taking in the lessons to heart and learning how to be more vulnerable and sincere with myself and others. So thank you all very much for listening and we'll see you soon and maybe we'll continue next time with another integration talk.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, please send us your questions and uh, whatever you want us to maybe speak about, then we can bring the topics and continue to reflect. So thanks so much.
0: Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Elton. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Roman. Much love to you. And take care. Keep integrating.
1: Thank you for joining us. If you have found value in what we have shared, we welcome donations in order to continue this service. To make a donation or to ask a question, visit our website at www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.pati-institute.org. May all beings be happy and free.